Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. December 6th, 2022. Good morning, everyone. It's Shannon back with you for a bit of an abridged Tuesday morning episode. If this is the first Tuesday episode you've listened to in a while, you may not know that in December, I usually do not do the new release portion because new releases are pretty sparse in the month of December. So, I'm going to direct you, if you're interested in kind of a sampling of what's coming out this month, um, I will direct you to our most anticipated releases of December episode, which aired this past Friday. But what I do have for you today is an interview with author Alicia Thompson, where we discuss love in the time of serial killers. Now, you may wonder if this is a like romantic suspense title or a thriller, and it is not, it is a contemporary romance. So if you are interested in hearing more about it, definitely stay tuned for this interview. And that is all I have for you today. So let's move into the housekeeping information and we will then dive right into the interview. You can find us on Facebook by searching for the Book Bistro podcast. Once there, you can post to our timeline. You can also message us privately. If you want a more social interaction, you can join our Facebook listener group, which is pretty quiet at the moment, though we are looking at some ways of possibly revamping it. If Facebook is not your thing and you still would like to hang out with us, check us out on our WhatsApp group. You can subscribe to that either by messaging us through Facebook or by sending us an email, and one of us will be happy to add you. If you're looking to get a hold of us via email, you can do that by contacting the Book Bistro podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro podcast. This is Shannon, and today I am talking with author Alicia Thompson about her novel, Love in the Time of Serial Killers. This was released in the U.S. on August 16th, and I have to say it is one of my favorite titles of the summer. Um, It's like one of those titles you see it and you're instantly like, what? You know, I have to pick this up. Alicia, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to be here. Could we start out with a brief description of Love in the Time of Serial Killers so that listeners have a bit of an idea of what to expect? Sure. Uh, So Love in the Time of Serial Killers is a romance, and it is about a woman named Phoebe Walsh, who is a Ph.D. candidate. And she's studying to get her um, doctorate in uh, literature, specifically in true crime. So because she does, you know, all this reading and research in true crime, she just kind of can't help but think about the world through that lens all the time where she's always like, you know, 
being very suspicious and seeing all kinds of, you know, potential Dateline episodes everywhere she looks. And so she um, she goes back to Florida for the summer uh, to help clean out her dad's house because her dad passed away. And while she's there, she meets um, his neighbor, who is this very sweet, swoony guy named Sam. And of course, you know, in, in her mind, she's like son of Sam, more like it, because she just, you know, can't help but see every single thing he does um, as being possibly sus. But like I said, it is a romance. And so at the end of the day, you know, she will discover that the only thing in danger is her heart. So this is like when I first read the blurb, I was like, okay, like this could either be like a really kind of creepy, like serial killer thriller or Mm -hmm. a romance. I love how the title just like doesn't, doesn't quite let you know what you're in for. Um, You know, some titles, like you read it and you're like, okay, I know exactly what I'm getting here. And with this one, you're, you're not quite sure it could go a couple of ways. I just thought that was like such a clever use of of a title in that way yeah thank you actually the title kind of came to me first um as far as I you know I'd kind of been kicking around an idea you know somewhat similar to this for a little while like I just had you know little bits and pieces of it in my head but it didn't all come together until one day I I think I had read some article or something about like love in the time of coronavirus because this was in the early time of the pandemic you know and so there were all those articles about like you know, how are we supposed to fall in love when we can only meet by Zoom and all that kind of thing? Um, and so I basically, you know, took that and then my love of, you know, true crime and all the true crime I've, you know, consumed over my lifetime and just kind of combined it into Love in the Time of Serial Killers. And then once I had that title in my head, you know, all the other elements kind of came together. So then did you kind of know right away that you wanted it to be a romance as opposed to a thriller? Like, was that sort of your goal from the start? Yeah, absolutely. I read a lot of romance. Like I just love romance. Um, and especially the, the, yeah, the publisher who published it, Berkeley, they're like my favorites and I'm just obsessed with, you know, like every book that they put out basically. And so I always wanted it to be a romance and I do, you know, I, I think that like there is another book that could be like you're saying almost like the thriller version of this or like, yes. Um, or something, <laughs> something like with the vibe of like the, the burbs, like if you've ever seen that movie, something with that kind of vibe. Um, but that's not this book. This book is definitely a romance. So did you kind of, um, once you had the title and then the kind of the plot elements kind of formed for you, did you see like our heroine first or did you still kind of keep getting like these little bits of plot without fully knowing kind of who your, your protagonists were going to be? So I tend to be pretty character first in my writing. And this story was definitely that that way where she kind of came to me first. And I definitely could I could see her and I could see this woman who is like so obsessed with true crime. In her case, I wanted to make it like something she was actually studying. So it's not just a, a hobby for her. This is right. like her. It's like her life's work, you know. Um, and then I, I really just a lot of the plot actually kind of came out of thinking about her and like, what would she be going through? What would she you know, what kind of obstacles would she face? Who else should be in her life that would be a good, like, foil for her and what she's going through? Yes. I always find it fascinating the way people, like, come up with their their process and their ideas because I think we're just so individual. Mm-hmm. And yet, like, if you look online, right, you can see all these things that say, like, 
you know, the 10 top tips for writers or, you know, how to write your first novel. But like none of those things are going to be like the perfect roadmap for an individual person. And so I'm just always really fascinated by the ways in which people kind of take the idea of writing a book and make it into something that is, you know, completely their own and, and works for them. Um, and sometimes, you know, goes on to work for them for like many books to come. Yeah, for sure. I always love like reading interviews with writers and hearing about, you know, where they did get their ideas or what their inspiration was. But I always felt like if I ever was reading that interview, almost like, you know, looking for advice, I always felt like the advice is not necessarily to go to the same places that they're going for inspiration, because that might not be your your place. It's more like just to kind of tune into what's exciting you, what's interesting you, you know, like, so... For example, if a writer says like, oh, I get my ideas from going through the newspaper every morning. Okay, well, I don't really feel like reading the newspaper every morning, frankly. So I'm like, I am not going to take that advice. But what I am going to do is I'm going to figure out like, what's my equivalent of that? Like, what's something that just like puts ideas in my head and gets me really excited, really energized for something? So you mentioned um, that you have read and, and just been interested in true crime for a while. So when you were when you were writing, was it hard for you to kind of like not incorporate like things that you'd read, like elements of true crime um, that you'd read from like actual cases kind of into this fictional world? Um, Well, I definitely had fun with the references that I did put in. So I I do have a lot of uh, like references to just different books that she's read or, you know, a Mm -hmm. a certain episode of Dateline or Forensic Files or that kind of thing. And those were always really fun to write and honestly came about pretty organically because they just tended to be references that I think about a lot myself. Um, But there were definitely a few times where I had to kind of like dial it back a little bit and almost like (laughs) remind myself, okay she's writing a dissertation on true crime. You are not writing a dissertation on true crime. So chill out a little bit. I did at one point, like actually go on to like a graduate school website and be like, mm, maybe I should do my, you know, like, and then I was like, no, get off of this website before you make a bad decision. <laughs> We're not going to get a PhD right now. Right. But I, for a second, I was like, mm, what's the coursework like? And then I was like, you know what? Get off of here. You don't need to do this. I did not even know that you could get a PhD in something um, like true crime, like the study of it. Well, so and, you know, I, I kind of detail it a little bit in the book, um, but basically the way I envision it is she's getting a PhD in literature. So it's not in like true crime per se, but that happens to be her focus. And so, you know, she probably would have taken all the usual literature classes you would take, like all of the. Oh, yeah. You know, like, here's a study of Faulkner and, you know, Fitzgerald from this year to this year, like all that kind of stuff. She's probably taken all those classes, but she's also, you know, focused her research as much as possible on true crime. And that's what she's writing her dissertation. in. And I did actually, as part of my research, I um, found somebody who had done that. And I reached out to her by email, like when I was first starting writing. And I basically wanted to know everything about just like her experience. Like, what was that? like to actually get your dissertation in true crime and some of the stuff that I put in the book about kind of like the department's attitude toward it where they're maybe a little just think it's a little lowbrow kind of for you know getting your PhD um some of that came directly from her where she kind of said that that was something that she sometimes like came up against you know in her studies oh because you weren't studying the classics Right, right. And, you know, just that, I mean, true crime is, and, and romance, I think, falls into this category, too, where they're, 
um, considered kind of salacious and like drugstore mm-hmm. novels and, you know, whatever. But at the same time, I think they're so interesting because it's like that's what people are reading. Like that's what people yeah. are actively reading. And it, it's informing our culture so much or and it's informing our culture. And then also the flip side where it's like you can tell a lot about our culture from reading the books, I think. Like, I think yes. you can tell a lot about what's going on right now by reading romance, honestly, because you can see like, oh, these are the things that are important to people, you know? And Absolutely. so I, I just, like I said, I mean, I'm like, you know, one bad decision away from going to get my PhD in it myself. <laughs> <laughs> so shifting gears a little bit, what is the book that sort of made you fall in love with romance? Like as a reader, um, there were so many, uh, Yay. I like, I can't even almost like find the origin point, but I'll, I'll call out just a few. So first of all, I was a really big Meg Cabot and Sarah Destin fan. And I read a lot of their stuff and just, um, like even just Mia and Michael in the first books of the princess diaries, like princess all their little, diaries. Oh, I love them so much. And you know, all I lived for all those moments. Like the books weren't even romances per se in that, like there was obviously a lot of other stuff going on with Mia and the relationship with Michael was kind of a secondary plot. But anytime right. there was any mention on the page, I was just gobbling it up. And then um, I read a lot of my mom's romances when I was growing up. Uh, she read a lot of those Harlequin presents novels and I had a lot of favorites from those that I would read. Um, and then she had a lot of Judith McNaught novels and a lot of like uh, historical. So I, I like, loved all of the historical novels and I still say that a lot of those books um I don't know those books are like the 90s they just there was like an angst to them that I feel um, like I'm I'm still like chasing all the time like I just want that angst that some of those books had and it's a little hard to find now like unless you continue to kind of go back and read you know some of those older titles I think especially those older historicals um I don't feel like the the contemporaries of the '90s, like the '80s and '90s. I, I don't know that you quite get that that same like level of angst. Yeah, and like, I'm sure it's one of those things where I, I think it's it's probably one of those things where like the angst is happening all the time in all different genres, and it's just a question of like finding it. But um, yes, like for example, I just read uh, "Bend Toward the Sun" by Jen Devon, which is a romance that just came out um, oh, August ninth, I think you really do want to read that because to me, it gave me that like level of kind of that Judith Knott-esque angst. It's a contemporary, but it just, it, it was very like yearning and I don't know. I just, I love that. I love that kind of thing. It's one that has been on my radar. I saw it. Um, I saw like blurbs of it, you know, before it was coming out and I've seen people talking about it online, like since it has come out and I just haven't picked it up yet, but I'm going to need to do that. Yeah, it's great. So as a romance reader, like when did you kind of think like, oh, like maybe I could sort of become a romance author? So I like I said, I was reading those Harlequin Presents of my mom's when I was in like high school. And I actually wrote a couple of Harlequin novels when I was in high school, which is hilarious to me because at the time, (laughs) I mean, I hadn't even had a boyfriend at the time. Like I, you know, but I was just like literally going through studying the beats, you know, figuring out like, okay, what's the formula? I feel like I could do this. And um, I wrote a couple of those and I even like tried to like ship them off to Harlequin and see if they would accept them or whatever. And then I know, <laughs> well, you know, what's funny is so like 
I, I feel like I did get closer and closer. It was like almost like a perfect like fairy tale journey, you know, where every step gets you like just a little bit closer in this perfect one, two, three way. Because the first one I wrote, I got just a form rejection. I think, in fact, the rejection had a different title for like a different manuscript. Like it was it was oh, so even yours. Oh, it was so form that like literally they hadn't even like deleted some of the information from the <laughs> other one. And so I was like, OK, I guess that's a no. And then the um, second time. And I kept moving the sex up in the book. Like I kept like feeling like, well, maybe the sex needs to happen earlier. Maybe that's part of the problem. So I kept like moving it like up in the chapters. And then the second one I got, I think a request to like read more, but then they rejected me. But I was like, well, I'm I'm, I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer. And so then, yeah, for the third one, I was like, you know what? What if they have sex in the second chapter? Because that's really going to hook them. Like that's that's what they need. And that one got actually like an editorial letter and like I got some feedback on that one. Um, but still, you know, nothing ended up happening with it. And then they say you shouldn't have sex in the second chapter. <laughs> I think they were into it. I think that was that was not a problem. Actually, the main editorial feedback I got was that they wanted me to add a pregnancy in it, um, oh. which first. Yeah, which, first of all, was very eye opening to me because I definitely thought as a reader, why are they always getting pregnant? Like that just seems like it like shouldn't happen because. There are ways you can avoid that. But um, then I kind of I felt like I saw a little bit how the sausage was made was where I was like, yes. oh, now I see why maybe that happens, because maybe people are getting letters that say to add that. And then secondly, I mean, when I wrote this and tried to publish it, I was probably like 20 years old or something at the most. Oh, and yeah. so I was I was kind of like pregnancy. I don't want to write that. Like I was just not in a place in my life where I wanted to write about this person getting pregnant. Um, and so I kind of, you know, didn't end up, uh, following through with that one. But after that, I, I, it kind of occurred to me that I was reading so much YA that I was like, well, why don't you try writing a YA instead? And so I did. And I, um, published a YA book back in 2009. You did? Um, yeah. It was a, and it also, it's, it has a romantic plot to it. It's called Psych Major Syndrome. Um, and then, yeah, because in case you can't tell, I guess what I do, I just find like an academic subject that somebody is obsessed with and then I write a romance around it. I didn't even realize that I had done that the same works. thing. Uh, well, I didn't I didn't even know. I didn't even know that I was doing it again. Um, I'm kind of embarrassed, but I guess that's my brand. <laughs> and yeah, so I guess like long story, still very long. That's basically how I came to, you know, write romances by just trying a bunch of different things. So then you did your YA and then were you like, oh, like, okay, you know, this is, this is a thing that I can actually do. And then I can, I love that it just kind of grew from there. And now you're actually a romance author. Yeah. Well, and then what's funny is that, yeah, then I had almost like the same epiphany, but, but again, in the flip side where then I was like, well, why aren't you writing romance anymore? Like, why did you switch to YA when you still read all this romance? And so then, you know, I tried my hand at that again and, um, you know, Love of the Time of Sword Coast is not the first adult romance that I've written, but it was, you know, the one that got me like an agent and a book deal and stuff. Right. So do you have like a favorite kind of romance trope either to read about or to write? Um, I I do love the grumpy sunshine, which is I feel like one yes. trope that is definitely in Love of the Time of Sword Killers, where she's you know the grumpy one and he's more the sunshiny one. I I just I love that like opposites attract kind of dynamic in general. Um, I really love reading like fake dating. I haven't written it yet, yes. but I would. But it's just so silly, but I love it, you know, because there's so much kind of 
there for you to milk with, you know, like, oh, you have to kiss her and we have to pretend in front of these other people. So you have to put your hand on the small of my back so that they think that we're really together. Um, I just love all that kind of stuff. And I love a lot of like micro tropes too, like the, you know, just one bed and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think with like fake dating, it's one of those things that really allows you to like suspend any disbelief that you might have. Because like, you know, going into it that usually in real life, like people don't end up in situations like this. Mm-hmm. And yet I like, get totally okay. You can well, just I, give into that. And it's it's lovely. I think one thing that's fun about romance too, is I feel like there's so much suspension of disbelief that you have to do. And, and it's okay because they're going to end up together at the end. And so you're kind right. of like, you're okay with the path that it takes to get them there. But one, like one book that um I don't have an idea for this. So I, you know, don't know that I'll ever write it, but I just always thought it'd be kind of hilarious would be almost like the aftermath of fake dating, like if it doesn't work out. Because I always thought, like, what's going to oh. happen when for the rest of your life people are like, we really liked Chris. Why don't, why did you and Chris not work out? And you're like, well, that was a fake boyfriend, Mom. Um, <laughs> so I just always thought that that'd be kind of a funny, like, thing to happen. But I think in the in the real, like, books that we read, we're okay with it because they do get together, and so it all works out. Right, and, like, you kind of, you know, you can see it coming, like, at first, you know, they don't get along, and you're like, yeah, but... You know, I bet in like 50 pages. Oh, yeah. And it's just this really nice, like, you know, you know, kind of what you're getting and you can look forward to like all of those things that we love in like a fake dating story. Like, you know, you know, there's going to be like, you know, that the first kiss that's supposed to be just like, you know, so people can see you kissing and and then it turns into something more like, you know, all the things that you're expecting and then they happen and you're just like oh yes yes well and I you know um and this comes through a little bit probably in Love in the Time of Stereotypes just through the character but I find like I myself I can be kind of a little reserved sometimes and I'm definitely like I'm not a huge like physical affection person you know like Mm -hmm. especially with somebody I don't know very well like I'm not really the kind of person who would like you know, rest my head on your shoulder. Like if like we didn't know each other well, and probably even if we did, frankly. Um, And so I love, I think there's something I just love about fake dating where like, it almost like forces you to have those situations where you have to get a little more touchy feely or a little more like intimate with somebody than you normally would. Um, And I just think it, I think it's so great in a romance because then it's like, Ooh, like this is going to lead somewhere real. Right. And you can like kind of see it. You can, sort of see it happening and you're like oh yeah you know okay and then you know maybe like this will happen between them and then you know sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't but you can sort of see like the little like breadcrumbs that lead you you know where the author wants you to go and I'm just always so like so willing to go there and I love like that moment too the classic um it's like a little micro trip I guess as well where other people are like I don't know it doesn't look fake to me you should see the way he looks at you like I love oh yeah Yes. And they're like, oh, no, it's it's totally fake. Like, there's nothing, you know. Right, right. Like, there's nothing there. <laughs> and you as the reader, you're like, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. totally there. Yeah, I love that. So now that love in the time of serial killers is in the world, like, what what is next for you? Um, 
Well, I do have another book coming out next year, uh, sometime in the summer, probably August again, but I'm not, I don't have the exact pub date yet, but, um, it's going to be another romance that is a dual POV. So this time you'll get his perspective too. And it's, um, it's about two, it's kind of like a rivals to lovers workplace romance where they both work in this fake winter attraction in Orlando, Florida. So it's another Florida set book. But it's but it's standalone. It's not like you know connected to Love in the Time. Right. It doesn't. Which, yeah. It doesn't like have um, like characters from the first book or. Right. Well, I will definitely be keeping an eye out for that. Thank you. Um, you have mentioned reading Bend Toward the Sun by Jen Devin, and I always ask people kind of what they've read recently that they want the world to know about. So aside from that one, like what, what have you been reading that has really caught your attention and that you want people to, to know about and fall in love with? Ooh, that is a great question. Let me look it's literally. Yeah, I'm looking like literally at my shelf right behind me. and I'm, I'm looking at all the books that I've stacked up on there. So in addition to Ben Toward the Sun, I also recently read Just Another Love Song by Carrie Winfrey. Oh, and so oh, it's so good. I love her writing so much. Like, her books are those books where, like, the minute I finish them, I want to read them again. And I, it's like a comfort read. You know what I mean? Like, I could yes. just read them over and over and over. And this one is about a um, kind of like an indie country music star who comes back into town. And uh, the, the main character, Sandy, is like, you know, his high school sweetheart. But, you know, they broke up. And so uh, it's, yeah. it's kind of a second chance romance um, set in a small town that I, like, immediately want to go to. Um, Carrie has been on her Instagram posting pictures of like places around town that were kind of inspiration for her fake, you know, small town. And I'm basically like, I just want to go into every single picture. I just want to be in this place. Um, so yeah, that was one I read recently. And then I also read, uh, you made a fool of death with your beauty, which was absolutely gorgeous and beautifully written. So many good things about that. So immersive. Like the setting is so good. It's just, it's one of those books like, when you're in it, you're in it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. as you're reading it, you just feel like you're completely embodying the book. And this is um not really a spoiler, I guess. It happens like very quickly, but I don't know. This is a weird thing, but like one of the very first parts is, you know, she's just like having sex with this other guy and that's not the guy she's going to be with, but they're just hooking up in the bathroom. And I, ah. I kind of appreciate that. I kind of like that. Yeah, I think, you know, we, we focus so much sometimes on that, like, main relationship that we see in, like, a romance novel. And for a lot of people, like, there have been, you know, other things, like, before that. Yeah, and it's it's part, it's really part of her emotional journey, like, to, you know, kind of have, like, that experience. Because um, part of her backstory is that her husband died in an accident. And so she's been like grieving a lot and just, you know, finding it really hard to fall in love or connect with anybody. Mm-hmm. And so um, I thought it was just like crucial to her and her development. I thought it was honestly, it's a very sexy scene, like the way it's described. And I just I really liked it. And because I think the book is, you know, it's it's not really a romance novel per se. I per think se, it's kind yeah. of, yeah, it's being billed more as like kind of literary fiction, I think. And so I, I, I do think it gets away with that the way that like a more genre romance couldn't, but I appreciate it. Yeah. That's another one that I actually, I'm on hold for that um, at my public library. Yeah. It's, it's great. One that's like, everyone's been talking about mm-hmm. so many people that I, I follow online. Yeah. 
Well, I want to thank you so much for joining me today to give listeners a little bit of an idea about who you are and what you write. I just really, really appreciate your time. Yeah, I really appreciate you inviting me on. It's always fun to talk about books. Can you let listeners know the best place to find you online? Sure. So I am on Instagram a lot, probably too much, at Alicia Books. And then I am on Twitter a little bit less, but probably still too much, at Alicia Books. And then I have a newsletter, which is aliciabooks.substack.com, and a website, which is aliciathompsonbooks.com. And when you are on social media, do you describe your photos? I do. I try to. Um, I'm definitely trying to get better about it. But I put, you know, like usually I'll do like an image ID in the comment or in Twitter. Yes. I'll put in like um, like the alt text in the in the picture. Perfect. Digital accessibility for the win. Well, and, you know, sometimes actually I try to like be careful about this, but sometimes I find myself like editorializing these descriptions where I'm like, OK, just go back to describing the picture. But I'm saying, like. Oh. You know, I'm saying like, and it looks super cute and it's so fun. And then I'm like, wait, hang on a second. Just describe the visuals. Like, chill out. People will often ask, you know, what is the best way to do this? And I always tell them as someone who relies on image descriptions heavily in social media, like, you know, find your own style. And so for some people, it is kind of that, like, you know, editorializing and and giving kind of your own like spin to what you're describing um so I'm always like really happy to see when people kind of allow themselves to be themselves in in their descriptions yeah I think it's kind of fun to me I kind of see it as like if you are reading the alt text you know either because you have a screen reader or just because you clicked on it and you wanted to or whatever like here's a fun little nugget in there that you might not have expected yes yes Again, this has been a discussion with author Alita Thompson about her novel, Love in the Time of Serial Killers, which released here in the U.S. on August 16th at gmail.com.